0: I'll rip your arm off. You what? Get your ass back home. Get in the gym and figure out what the hell you're doing wrong. Might be called the five point move. I'm frustrated with the way our Greco guys in the United States are treated because they are good athletes, they are good human beings, and but wanna win. We
1: gotta help them get there.
2: Hello and welcome to episode twenty-two of the five point move podcast. I'm Tim Hans, founder and senior editor of 5pointmove.com. World champ Dennis Hall, this week he is coaching at the Ohio Regional Training Center, therefore he is unavailable. Instead, we got a guest co-host, Wildman Sam, Sammy Jones, 2014 University World Bronze Medalist, curator of Long Hair, and uh, (laughs) Northern Michigan University Mainstay. Sam, thanks for keeping me company on this episode. I appreciate it.
3: No, Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to uh, be on here with you.
2: I think a lot of people know that quite recently you were over in Denmark you participated in the 2019 Thor Masters and then obviously after that tournament was the massive camp you know that has
3: right.
2: like you know it was well known it's like the hungry camp in a way because it's well known for having like a lot of live, a lot of partners and so on and so forth. Mm. But getting to the tournament for a second, and I'm going to go ahead and guess that you probably know where I'm going with this, is that you picked up one of the bigger wins of your career on the second day of the tournament when you completely blitzed, you know, t- I mean, to what, 2016 Olympic and 2014 World uh, bronze medalist Stig André Berg of Norway that was first and foremost, mm-hmm. like, I, I know that it's a tournament in... March in Denmark and everything else, but in my like at least since Five Points Inception, that was one of the more remarkable U.S. wins I've witnessed for sure. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it wasn't just a win; it was steamroll. And yeah, and you're not even the type. I mean, don't get me wrong; you've shown some kind of like visceral reactions, like on and off, but you've never really like gestured after like like a huge win this time it was different like you were pumped up
3: oh yeah yeah i mean that was probably one of my bigger matches of my career if not the biggest uh win and that was something I it going into the tournament i knew i knew steve was going to be there and um when the brackets came out i knew i had a second match you know the way the 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 pool system works over there. You're guaranteed two matches. So I knew I was going to have him. And I thought it was going to work out, but I was going to wrestle him the first day. And it just, it, the timing was weird and the tournament took a little bit longer. So I was like, uh, I was first match up the second day. So I was I was ready to go the night before. So I had kind of prepped myself and was ready to go. And then they told, they you know, now over the loudspeakers when I'm putting my singlet on, hey, we're done. And so I was first matched the next morning. So I had the whole, you know, night or morning to uh, prepare for it. So I think I was really mentally, I was ready to go. I mean, I knew going in that I had nothing to lose. I mean, he's got everything to lose. I'm, he just does, probably doesn't know who I am. And I was, I mean, I'm ready to uh, to prove to myself that I'm going you know, to compete on this international level. And that's, that's why I was a little jazzed afterwards because it was a big win. And then we go to, you know, the rest of the camp, I get to wrestle him. And I think what I, I learned is that I just, I match up really well against Stig. Um We're not friends because uh, I was able to get to that attack a few more times in camp and uh, really get under his skin. So
2: it was great. Well, there was like zero pretense in that match. Now, don't misunderstand. You compete with zero pretense. I think everybody knows what they're going <laughs> to get when you wrestle. Everybody knows that you're going to go berserk. You're always trying to attack, you're always trying to get to the body, you're always trying to throw. You're very exciting to watch, and I'm not saying that cuz you're in on with me here. I mean, like that's mm. your calling card. What was right. I thought surprising was I wasn't I certainly wasn't surprised over the first throw. I mean, th- I mean, I, it startles you, don't get me wrong, but like that's not what was surprising to me. The, s- the second one, the clincher, that was to me, that was like, wow, he went back to the well again, basically, and he had locked mm. up high. And I remember, I mean, I, obviously I clipped it and I so therefore I watched it like, you know, whatever, a dozen times right away. And I I, and I think lin was saying something like, uh, you know, like just pull him down, just twist him down. And you were like, Nope. <laughs> like you were like, hey, he's going up. <laughs> so right, that, that right. part was well, awesome. I mean,
3: Steve's got an insane front headlock. And I kind of knew that going in, that he's going to go for my head. He's got this, when you're in the standing position, he just really has this off balance. Um, and he, if you watch the match, he kind of drops me to my knee, I think one or two times. And he that he's trying to go to that front headlock and that's just what he does. And so, uh, Later on, you know, after I got the first throw, he goes for that front headlock and I just go into his body. And when I was in that situation, it was either I was going to get choked out or I had to throw, you know. So that's why I went straight over the top because I couldn't hear what Matt was saying. I'm just thinking, man, I got to get this guy's body close to me and pop my hips. Finish this match so I could breathe.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was definitely the best way possible to start day two for the U.S. program. I mean, like you see everybody on the side. Who was around, like near the bleachers going crazy and everything else? It was, it was, it was definitely, definitely memorable. It was also, like you mentioned, is that first day of the tournament before you even left for Denmark, you and I spoke about this. I mean, Thor Masters, even now with a two day format, is a bear to cover. It's just very difficult to oh, cover yeah. because we bring a decent delegation. We brought like, you know, whatever, I think 17 guys or something like that to the tournament. Nordic system, everybody's getting at least two matches. You win one, you're getting at least three, If sometimes four, depending on how it shakes out in the bracket. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of matches to account for. There's a lot of matches to pay attention to. It's, it's tough. It's, it's To be honest with you, it's tougher than the World Championships to cover. As far as coverage goes, yep. because the worlds a split up. You know, you have three or f- maybe three or four guys going one day, a couple of guys going the next day, whatever. I mean, you can deal with right, that. Right, right, right. But um, anyway, yeah. So what I thought was interesting is that Thor Masters on Friday began late, like I think around three or four o'clock in the afternoon for you guys, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. We started wrestling at 4 p.m.
2: 4 p.m. And then they couldn't... And then you think... Because you wrestled... I think you wrestled who? Casper Raven first, right?
3: Yeah. I wrestled Denmark first. I mean, because I think I had, in my weight class, fewer guys. So it was kind of like you... They do a round. They started at like 67. So I miss a whole round. Then we wrestled the second round. And then uh, the, just the way it, it shook out, we we didn't end up wrestling the second round to the next morning. So we had... You know, sitting around, you're trying to stay warm the whole time. It was a long, it was a long tournament that that first day.
2: After the win over Stig, you had two more matches. They did not go in your direction, and I mean, ultimately, that's not the most important part of trip, really. I mean, you want to win the tournament. I, I I understand that. You you want to get on the podium at least. I I get that too. Right. At the same time, like it's the camp and the tournament. That's the package deal that I think everybody's going over for, especially mm-hmm. this time of year. That being said, right. did was there any kind of you know you have a huge win? Was there any kind of like I don't want to say adrenaline dump or letdown or anything like that necessarily, but at the same juncture, was some of the steam kind of missing going into the other two matches at all?
3: No, I don't think so. Um I mean the guy who lost you from Ukraine took fifth at the World Championships last year. He's not um no pushover. Um no,
2: certainly not. I mean you, know, you didn't get a lot of uh, kindness from the uh official in that match if I might say.
3: Yeah. No, uh, I mean I felt I felt great actually in the second the second day I felt really good. Um you know, I lost the two matches after Steg, but I felt like I was uh, in those matches, and I, I mean, even if the score doesn't look like it, if what I felt was just uh, you know the the push and mentally, I felt so into it. And that, I mean, I feel like those matches could go easily my way with just few adjustments. You know, I walked off the match with the Ukraine. It was like, man, I was giving up underhooks. If I adjust that, you know, and that was something that, that Matt really did a good job helping me get to a better position to to stop guys from getting underhooks, and that's really what happened that match, was I was giving up underhooks, and he just walked around with it the whole mat. Um, so I don't really think there was an adrenaline dump, or, um, you know, like I was off this high, like, whoa, I just won this big match, and then you just kind of go flat. I think I wrestled close matches, and I felt, I felt great.
2: You certainly looked good. It was a fun <laughs> tournament to watch, uh, at least for mm. many of our guys. Some guys didn't have fantastic luck out there, but that's Look, at they'll develop, they'll improve. That's part of the, that's part of the deal. Something else we had touched on. This was supposed to be in a preview article prior to the Denmark trip, and we had talked about it. it was an awesome conversation, but that is obviously <laughs> your hair. Your hair is long. It, it is. It can, now, I mean, you do you do a a, a really fabulous job of uh, trying to manage it, like pre-match and in-match and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it is still. Like you're a savage, that's yeah. why you're Wild Man Sam. Is it, all right, first, the first question is is it any kind of, you know, problematic distraction? Uh,
3: no, it's annoying sometimes, sure, but no. When I, I mean,
2: I, the reason I wear
3: my hair long is because it's just, it's who I am. I feel, uh, the most like myself. And so when I was, this is a funny story, but this is how I think of it. When I was first came into, uh, Northern, Um, I had taken a year off of college or wrestling. And when I came in, my hair was long and I had this like scraggly beard and I look at the film and I just, I feel like I wrestled just like, like a wild man um, because I was coming in and just trying to throw everyone. And I love that kind of, I, I guess just like explosive wrestling. That's my style of wrestling. And I feel like, When I'm clean cut, I guess kind of like look like I'm in the military, just clean cut, sharp. I just don't feel like myself. And so I'd rather be kind of this wild man, I guess, mentality. If you stand across the mat from me and I've got long hair and tattoos and whatever, if I look, you know, if I look the part, maybe I'll get in your head a little bit. But really, it's it's not a distraction for me. I just uh, it's what I like.
2: You know, I say this as a very confident, verified, I say verified because there are children, heterosexual male, and I do think you look good with it. <laughs> hey, I appreciate I mean, it. Honestly. I uh, think uh, it. You wear it well. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, you wear it well. If you have, I don't like to assume, but let's say, okay, mm-hmm. you do have children, okay? And I'm not trying to put you in a box, put pressure on you or anything like that. You're still a young man. I, I, I mean, then I, I know you yeah. have a serious <laughs> relationship or whatever, but either way. If you have a boy, if you have a boy... Is like is that a slam dunk is it a slam dunk that a you lead him or I mean actually or her really uh towards wrestling but if it's a boy would it, would you consider naming it after naming him after oh
3: you? You know, I haven't really ever thought of that I first thought is probably not and I don't really have a particular reason for that I just I have never really thought about naming my son or daughter after me if I have kids I hope to have kids but I, I don't know
2: when my wife was pregnant and we learned we learned that you know we have two kids the first one's a girl she's 7 when we learned that she was pregnant mm-hmm. with a boy like that topic right. obviously came up and i was just like ah first off and i'm not trying to be funny when i even say this i don't i don't think i profile as the kind of guy who could get away with having mm-hmm. a junior first off i just don't I just I don't know how to say it. Like I I think that there's certain people who can. My brother, one of my brothers, has a couple boys. One of them is named after him. Actually, you know what? Even even better or worse, depending. He's named after like my brother's already a junior, so his son is the third. Okay. Which yeah. I, I don't know. Whatever. Good luck with that. But like um, for me, I was just like, nah. You know what? Because I I don't I'm I'm not trying to judge. It's just that for me, it just would seem like an <laughs> ego play. Right. Right, you know, like I would want, in part, like some level. Yeah, of that's that's kind of what
3: stuff. I think as well. And it, when you mention your brother, my my uh, my older brother, my dad, and my grandfather, and my nephew all share the same first name. So I guess the first name passed down. I've kind of just like associated with my dad's name, my brother's name, my grandfather's name. So I think that's that's probably also why I think, Meh, I'm not going to have another Sammy. Maybe I will, but. Maybe I'll have a dog named
2: Sam. I mean, that's an awesome segue because our two guests for this episode are WCAP national team member Luke Sheridan and then Sam Hayeswinkle. So, and and Sam, who's... I mean, he's just the yeah, nicest guy is. on the planet. So now there's this... Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if you want to call it a sprint because you've been training the entire time. You won the Dave Schultz Memorial. Um, but now is the you know, you're closing in on the national tournament, the U.S. Open. When you're this close out, which is, I mean, what, literally a few weeks, basically, not, I mean, almost not even, does anything alter in your training plan? Uh,
3: right now, my focus uh, is weight management. Um, training hasn't really tapered down yet. It will soon. I anticipate, but, um, right now we're keeping, um, pretty intense practices going. Um, I think mentally is, you know, that's the biggest, uh, I guess, uh, intention, I guess is getting your, getting your mindset right to compete. It's been, it's a long season and, uh, not a lot of competition, but a lot of training. And so sometimes I find that, uh, at this time of year, it's, you almost start to self-sabotage and, you know, you get tired or you let yourself say you're getting tired, you're ready for a break. So just kind of eliminating those thoughts and getting ready to compete is what I'm focusing on right now. But the tapering uh, physically hasn't started yet.
2: Do you, I, I, maybe as a stress reliever, I don't know how you do it, but do you play guitar? Every day? Uh,
3: I, I play music as much as I can. I would, I can't say every day. Because um, I do do get busy with work and wrestling and whatnot, but I, I music is definitely um, something I go to to relax for sure. I do like to I do like to play guitar a lot.
2: Well, I mean, look, this comes up a lot, especially with senior athletes, is the concept of balance and things like that. And you put out some video on Instagram, I think it was a couple mm-hmm. months ago or whatever it was. It's an interesting story about that. I'll, I'll get to in a second, actually, but um, and it was amazing. <laughs> like I had heard you played, but oh. it was incredible. Oh, well, I well thought thank it you. Was wonderful. Yeah, I
3: uh, I started playing in college. My mom and dad got me a guitar to uh, help me to um, process, I guess, uh, or uh, have an outlet, like you're saying, some balance. And it really helped. Um, and that's that's really kind of what it's been for me and um yeah it gave me a way to actually that's how i proposed to my fiance was with music so it was kind of kind of a sweet story
2: are oh, y'all that is a king romantic move like
3: hey man when you got the best woman you got to do the best you got to do the best proposal
2: did you ever did you ever jam with your um opponent in the dave schultz memorial yeah finals,
3: actually Rice. we did uh a lot back in the day when travi and i both lived in the dorms he he was a night owl and he would always come knocking on my door and be like hey man i got some tasty jams i just learned and i go over and he would you know <laughs> 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 we play some music together and, yeah oh yeah
2: Okay, well, I think now is a good time to bring in our first guest, and that is Luke Sheridan of WCAP, national team member for the first time in 2018, went to Indiana, and is currently preparing, like everyone else seemingly, for the U.S. Open. Represent your team or club with top-quality singlets, board shorts, and two-piece uniforms from barbarianapparel.com. Decorative with team logos and custom designs that make a statement on and off the mat. Worn by the pros and trusted by national teams all over the world, Barbarian Apparel supplies wrestlers with the look and feel they need to conquer the competition. Team orders and discounts are always available. To learn more, stop by barbarianapparel.com today and save 10% off using coupon code BA10. Barbarian Apparel. Style everyone notices quality everyone respects okay so luke i know that you're in certainly your peak shape you've seen you compete already twice uh this season alone you went to the finals with schultz and armed forces i think armed forces you did both styles so you're obviously okay but given that fact that last year you had the sternum issue where it was cracked broken whatever that kept you out for a bit just to be clear you're right now as we are a few weeks away from the Nationals.
1: Absolutely, 110% healthy.
2: I I don't want to point a finger because I've been doing this a lot in, in content. You've had the armed forces, so you've had somewhat of a bridge... You had Schultz at late January, a few weeks later was Armed Forces, and now obviously the Open is in a couple weeks, late April, however you want to say it. On the same token, this has been a hot topic for me, So, I, and I don't mean to bore you with the Luke, because it really kind of hasn't been necessarily all your problem at all, because like I just said, you've had at least some competition so far. But there isn't, for, for the majority of the country, there hasn't been a lot of competitive opportunities. Uh, there's only really... Ben Schultz for most of the senior base. To me, I think that's problematic, especially since even at the senior level, development is a priority. We don't have the kind of national program that is completely stuffed with what you would call finished products. I know that people talk about training blocks and training cycles and so on and so forth, but am I off a little bit when I you know rail how we need more competition domestically considering that we used to have sun kissed and then nyac in november and then uh, even there was the minnesota storm cup for some years there and now we're down to i mean this season towards what if you don't count the armed forces which only f- four branches of the military participate in we've had one tournament but just does not seem even close to nearly enough before the national.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I can put your egg here. I think that's um, been a running issue. Even when you think about, I mean, look at last year, last year we had Schultz and NYC were adding one more tournament, which I mean, that's a hundred percent increase. But when you think about only two um, domestic competitions outside the armed force
2: and they were six months open. apart.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, it could, it could definitely be frustrating, especially for us athletes. Um, but I think from an athlete standpoint, I mean, I know Sammy can agree with me. We do what we can. You know, WCAP went out to Northern Michigan and and we trained mm-hmm. with them for a week. Um, it was my first time being out there. But for us as athletes, I don't want to say it's not my problem because obviously it is completely my problem. But I'm going to do and, and trust what my coaches tell me to do. You know, is it frustrating? Of course, when Spencer says, hey, we'll get you, you know, we're, we're going to get to where we want to get to. Just trust in the program trust in the process and we're going to get there um i think as you get older you worry more about the things you can control you know i I can't stay up at night man. i'm looking at all these guys i've trained with overseas and they're all with each other in hungary and they're all with each other in sweden and this and that i can't control that you know um so i think we just kind of for us as athletes you know just worry about what we can personally control right now
2: Hmm. Well, you just did some of the legwork for me, because that was actually next on my talking points for you. And that is, you are a vital contender for the World Team spot at 97 kilograms. And the two guys who comprised the World Team Trials final last year, G. Angelo, Tracy Hancock and Daniel Miller, have both spent... A good deal of time overseas especially hancock who was you know obviously he went to croatia after croatia he went to hungary and then he was in germany and closed out with denmark miller went to croatia miller went over on that trip as well in the late fall to russia sweden and finland you just said like can't control everything you i i get it but when you see your two main competitors get that kind of time and does that i mean i don't want to say play with your head at all but is there any part of you that I don't want to I don't even want to say concerned, Lou, but is there any kind of I don't know, like I hate to say competitive jealousy, but that's kind of where I'm going with it.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was kind of something I was talking about um, early last year. I remember multiple conversations with my dad. And I, I call my dad being there twice a day every day and my mom. But we were talking and we were talking about Miller going places and Tracy going places and this and that. And it was to be honest with you more me complaining. And I mean, you're not leading me into this answer by any means. Absolutely. It was something that came across my mind. Um, but at the end of the day, them going there and me, not, that means I need to do the right thing when I'm here more often. That means when I'm on my way home after, you know, a crazy lift, I'm exhausted. I'm like, man, that Taco Bell, Ooh, it good. That drives me clear. (laughs) You know, Hey, Oh, Hey coach coaches, no coach cars around. They're not going to see me. You know, no, I, I can't be doing that stuff. I need to be doing the right stuff, you know, all the time to to keep up with that. So um, initially, yeah, there was a – I personally had a negative feeling about it for myself. Um, but, you know, the last, let's say, six months or so, I've had, you know, a lot going on that that's made me look at things different. And to be honest with you, um, Miller and Hancock going overseas, Miller and Hancock getting this awesome training and having the success. All that's doing is making USA Greco better. All that's doing is making me push myself more and more to have to keep up and, and hopefully pass them. It's nothing but good for the sport. So um, was I jealous? Absolutely. I'm not going to sit here and, and act like those thoughts didn't go through my mind. But um, when you look at the silver lining of it, them going there is pushing me just as much as it's pushing them.
3: Right. Yeah, I think that's that's the mindset you have to take. Because I, mean, I, I feel like I experienced the same type of thing. I have. To, I mean, we had to fund our own trips to go overseas. There's no competition. That's why I went to Denmark because there was like no. There's no competitions. But I think mentally, like you're saying, you have to just tell yourself like, oh, nope, I'm just gonna push myself. I'm gonna. I know these guys are training hard, so I'm just gonna push myself where I'm at and use the resources I have to bust my butt to make sure that I'm not falling behind. And you can't let those thoughts, those negative thoughts, get in your mind. Otherwise, it's just. It it totally derails what you're trying to do, and that's make world team win medals. So I totally agree with what you're saying.
2: Well, you know what yeah, I definitely. wonder about. I don't mean to cut you, Luke, but I do wonder is that. And it's I mean this isn't to take the shine off of anybody who goes overseas and does well or anything like that. It's certainly not to in any. I mean, if anything, five point pumps up. The training overseas and the camps and all that other stuff to illuminate exactly what it is our athletes uh, have to do to go overseas and to, you know, kind of get some of that foreign polish and everything else. But they're also two different styles, you know, that we compete a little bit differently here domestically. Mm -hmm than what you see overseas anyway we've this has been a factor that has been in place in the united states greco for a very long time is that there are guys who one way or the other? Maybe they compete better against international opponents, but it doesn't mean that they're they, just because they did well in a couple of tournaments in Europe that they're going to all of a sudden just walk through a trials tournament. That's not exactly how it works, especially since we have a a physical kind of freight train style that seems at every big major domestic event evens the playing field anyway. I mean that's a, certainly how I see it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, go ahead, Sammy. My bad.
3: No, oh, no. I was just gonna agree and point out a couple of wrestlers that I think. Uh, I mean, the guy that comes to my comes to my mind is uh, Alex Sancho. Um, the guy's never been on a senior world team, but he goes overseas and smashes dudes because he's so explosive in his body lock and his lift. And the guys overseas, they're not used to. It's either they're not used to seeing that, or they just can't defend him. But. I mean, he's, he comes back to the U.S. and then he's got Ellis and just hasn't been able to make the team. So it's, it's frustrating, uh, with the different styles, you know. I love wrestling the Europeans. I've, I feel like I have a harder time with the U.S. guys than the Europeans.
2: Right. Last thing I'm going to do is in any way, shape, or form judge or critique the way that our our program has to sustain itself domestically to function, to select teams, to whatever. It's just that the Europeans and the American guys who like to be open assimilate into a much more uh, scoring-friendly style. Mm. Where he is here, when we took away, when we took, it well, not we, when Parterre disappeared for like that season, 16th, 17th season, he, it brought out, at, I, I was hopeful and optimistic, and I think a lot of other people were, that it was going to bring out like this different kind of thing out of everybody. You know, you don't got to worry about being put down anymore. Forget about foreigners. I'm talking just about against each other. Because right. that's usually a line of demarcation too. The more experienced senior guys are going, to, even if they're having a tough time on the feet with a guy who's maybe not as developed or as experienced, he's going to get on top and he's going to find a way to end the match. I mean, that's a lot of times the protocol. Mm-hmm. When Parterre was taken out, that was off the table. And to be honest with you, it didn't. it didn't showcase our best selves as a sport. It really didn't. Because now you're putting guys on their feet the entire time, and in high leverage matches, there's a certain sect of the competitive base who's just not going to take risk. They're just not. They're not going to really try to manufacture too many attacks and stuff like that, because I would would imagine that to them there's a lot on the line, there's this, there's that. And on top of everything else, you have domestic officials who have zero idea how to call, enforce, or navigate passivity and everything attached to it. So, I mean, I doubt either one of you is probably going to want to agree with that, but it is is the (laughs) truth. It is the truth, fellas. I'm sorry, but I mean, it is.
1: I mean, I'm not going to say you're wrong by any means. Um, (laughs) Like you said, I don't think either one of us want to necessarily agree with that, but um, I definitely will agree with, the concept of people needing to try to take more risk. I mean, everybody knows, um, you know, Robbie Smith is my big brother. And, and I think Robbie is, is such a great example to that, to the extent that it has scared me. Cause I remember at 2016 Olympic trials, I was warming him up and um, he had two in the finals and, and I went in the, in the stands to watch and, and I'm sitting there with my brother and my father and, and Robbie's family as well. They all sat together and I'm kind of, nervous not kind of nervous i was extremely nervous because robbie's push to make greco exciting robbie's um Mm. aspirations to make heavyweight greco roman in the usa exciting that people aren't going to be leaving because it's the heavyweight bout his his drive to not only get medals but hey i'm gonna put on a show you know carver hawkeye is gonna stand up for me not for freestyle um I was like, all he has to do is accidentally throw him to his back, throw himself to his back once. And I mean, that's a whole lot of weight, you know? So, um, I think one of that's that's one guy that that really does drive that concept of, of go of score, of take the chance, take the risk. I mean, every time I think about it, my college coach, you know, college wrestling, you have seven minutes. He would always tell me, you got seven minutes for a reason. Who cares if you give up a takedown, you got another six minutes and 45 seconds for a reason. Um, I think Robbie really, really tries to engulf that idea
2: oh, without a doubt. Riza is a Riza is the king of the plotters i if uh, I've God. said it once, I've said it a hundred thousand times, and that is if he was a couple inch tall couple inches taller and grew up in the United States, he would have been a fantastic center and on a really good college football team if not made it to the NFL. It's exactly how he wrestles for the most part. Okay, he gets in his stance. He keeps his elbows at uh, rib level and pushes, pushes. I mean, his the heavyweight bracket in the at the 2017 Paris Worlds was abhorrent. It was horrible. Like it couldn't have been less exciting when Robbie went up to heavyweight after 12. He immediately brought the same stuff that he he was he was tr- trying to do at 96. And he's flinging arm throws and snapping guys down with exciting front—not even grinding front headlocks, the kind where you snap them and like you're gonna hold on. It's like ah, maybe I'm gonna roll him, maybe I'm gonna put them over my shoulder, or whatever it is. No, he's taking guys like from like their their tips of their toes and waffling them over. I mean, he's he's always done his part, not just as an insanely. Uh, talented and experienced competitor, but also as somebody who sells our sport because he's willing to be fan-friendly with his style. And, I mean, look, there's a give and take with that, I'm sure of it. You can't just always be exciting. I mean, there's a time where you've got to wrestle smart and you don't want to betray vulnerabilities, I'm sure. I think both of you gentlemen could speak to that far better than I ever could. But there is still something to be said for the guys, I mean now that we're paying homage to Robbie, but there is certainly something to be said for the guys who are like, you know what, screw it. I'm gonna see if this works. It's probably gonna. I'm pretty good. Let's let's go, you know? Like wild man <laughs> Sam. Like wild man <laughs> Sam.
3: <laughs> hey man, it's fun to throw people. It's fun to watch too.
2: All right, well Luke, you've had Armed Forces in February. Now we're close to we're close to the nationals and uh, whatever, and then the whole damn thing kind of envelops after that. Uh, has this space in between the armed forces and uh, what's coming up in Vegas? Has this been, uh, you know, a good training block for you? A good kind of interim? Yeah. Um. I mean, don't get
1: me wrong. It, it's been great since bumping up to ninety seven, especially this year. We've kind of gotten close to our. When I say our, I mean my coach and I's goal of me at ninety seven. I mean at armed forces. Um, it was plus two kilos, you know, both days. Direct on freestyles, um, but I got to eat breakfast both days before weighing. So my training cycles have definitely changed as far as what I'm doing because I'm not worried about cutting weight, um, which I never should be at 97. Last year I was a little heavy because you know I was coming off some injuries and, and some military obligations. I but, loved um, how you. Really... I
2: loved Luke. I'm not. I'm sorry to cut. You. I loved how you looked even right off the bat at 97.
1: You, you wore it. <laughs> I well, appreciate right it. Off
2: the bat. yeah.
1: Hey, I appreciate it. But, um, yeah, the training cycle concept is, is definitely different. I remember I was getting ready for armed forces and, and I wanted to do all this extra because, you know, one, I'm starting to get in shape, I'm feeling good too. I'm starting to get strong. Three, I don't have anything to worry about my weight. I go home and, and consume as much as I can without, you know, throwing up. And I walk in tomorrow at 98 and a half after breakfast, you know, it's, it's not something to worry about. So while I want to continue to push, this is where my coaches, you know, intelligent wisdom. Hey Luke, you know, you wrestle in three days. You probably don't need to be doing extra, you know, treadmill sprints or something. Let's, let's be smart. Um, but I think armed forces a great tune up. You know, I got a Russell Miller who I mean, he's, a, he's an outstanding wrestler. He's an outstanding officer in the Marine Corps. You know, I got nothing but respect for the guy. We had a Greco and a freestyle. Both were absolute battles. Both were an absolute blast. Um, but it, it felt good to wrestle those matches, and I think um, it's going to help me come to the U.S. Open for all my competition, getting that that competition between Schultz and, and the Open.
3: Hmm. What's the... Uh... I, I don't know. I, I really know nothing about this. I've only heard this through the grapevine, but what's the form or like the, the WCAP meetings, you, you, what's, whatever's going on. Y'all's got, I heard y'all have new practice times. Your what, what is all that? Is that like new? Has that been around for a while? I'm just way, way behind or way out of it.
1: No, it, it's so basically it's our military obligations. As far as WCAP as a unit has 17 different Olympic sports within it. So of course, all of us know, you know, the wrestlers and Spencer Mingo and Jamil Byers, who, who kind of started this rampage. But uh, WCAP has grown into 17 different sports right now between Olympic and Paralympic athletes within the Army. Okay. Um, so we have what we call a lot of remote athletes. So we have um, bobsled and luge and uh, rugby seven who, you know, are in Lake Placid or in San Diego training. While they are soldiers, um, you know, they're soldiers with MOSs and, and everything between, and they're assigned to WCAP. Um, we have certain trainings that we are mandatory, you know, that you have to do annually. So basically once a year for a week, we bring all of WCAP, um, we bring all of WCAP into Fort Carson, which is, you know, Colorado Springs. Um, we get all these meetings done. We do a lot of functions as a group. We kind of mingle and whatnot, kind of catch up on everybody's year in review. So that's kind of the, the idea of it with these meetings being all day. You know, we got to maybe get a little extra practice in the morning. You know, as soon as it's done, Coach Lewis says, they get to the room and, you know, just break a sweat, get some, something in. Right. So it's definitely an interesting week. It's an interesting week to have close to the U.S. Open. But, I mean, that's kind of the upside to being a, a soldier is as, as cheesy as it sounds, you know, we're taught to be resilient. Hey, you got meetings. Oh, you need to work time? Sorry. You know, this is the one week of the year that y'all got to do this. So um,
3: it, that it's, was like last it's also week?
1: cool. It's right yeah.
3: now. So, okay. Yeah, so you're going to hang a out with couple like, days. All, all different athletes from different sports. That's kind of sweet. Yeah, I mean, we got Sam a lot of – Sam is so um, into really... making
2: friends, man. Come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. You, would, you would fit great in, in the program because it's cool because we get to mingle because, um, you know, like our bobsled guys, we have people on our bobsled team that are Olympic gold and Olympic silver medalists wow. that are in the Army. Um, so it's really cool to talk to these – he soldier athletes about, you know, their sports and, and, you know, with the sacrifices they made and, you know, sit there in the morning before the meetings and, and BS at brec- breakfast, you know, or, you know, we got, um, para, uh, Paralympians. So people who most of them got, um, wounded while in Afghanistan or Iraq recently. And, and wow. now we're with us doing archery or, um, petathlon, triathlon, swimming, you know, one of our Paralympic swimmers got a gold and a bronze in Rio, um, so it's really cool to get to see all these people with different perspective, learn about their different sports. You know, it's it's fun.
3: Yeah, man, I, that's that's really cool. I mean, it seems like it might be a little inconvenient for practice, but I mean, you're still getting to tap into other guys, or you know, other women's uh, mental uh, battles that they've gone through or whatever. That's I think there's a lot to be learned there. I think I, I think I would fit in. The only problem is if I have to join the military, I have to cut my hair and shave my beard. So that might be the only problem. <laughs>
1: hey, you, you're not the only person that has, has an issue with it. Don't, don't do that.
2: There's some woman from WCAP who she participates in the sport. I don't even know what it's called. It's where like you do a bunch of different things and you also shoot a rifle and hit a target and then you move on to something else i forget i don't even know what it's called Mo-
1: you're talking about modern pentathlon so you're talking about either um samantha acterberg or um
2: isabella
3: astoxen
2: okay well whichever one it is uh i follow on my uh on my uh, personal uh instagram and she's really attractive so whichever one that is <laughs> Oh, that's awesome <laughs> Okay. Well, Sammy, do you have anything else for Luke or do we let him, uh, go and enjoy the rest of his evening, uh, on his girlfriend's birthday as it were?
3: Oh man. Uh, no, I, I think I'm, think I'm good. And, and, uh, tell your girlfriend happy birthday for me and yeah, go enjoy yourself, man.
1: No, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Timmy. Thank you. I'm sure we'll, we'll keep talking very soon. Sammy, it was great to actually, you know, get to have a little bit more of a conversation with you. Hopefully, uh, we can keep that rolling. Hopefully, we can get WCAP back out to Northern or or get yeah, you man. guys out to WCAP. Man, that was fun. I digged it. Um, so, thanks yeah. for, guys for having me. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, it was good talking to you, Luke. My pleasure, Luke. Take care and best of luck at Vegas. Actually, you know what? Let me let me rephrase because if Hall was here, he would burst a freaking aneurysm that I said best of luck because then he would say it's not about luck. Um, <laughs> That's uh, why
1: he's Hall, though.
2: Go get him in Vegas, I guess. That would be... That's where I'll, that's what I'll say. I don't know what else to say. So. See you at the Nationals. Yeah, tell Halverson I yeah. said hi, by the way.
1: I will definitely pass on the word, and Sammy, I'll see you there, man.
2: All right, man. Look forward to it. Uh, Sam, one of the things that I asked Luke was about this space, right? I mean, we touched on it just talking to you uh, uh, coming after Denmark and stuff. But with the Open, and I'm not going to even get into the Pan Ams, and the the money situation how the money has flipped like you know if you win the open you get less than you do if you win the pan ams it used to be the opposite way obviously so i'm not even getting to that um the open has implications if you win and plus even if it didn't it's still the nationals when you are coming up to it and just like you did last year and you made the final last year when you're coming up to the nationals and I know it's not quite the World Team Trials, but when you're coming up to this, is there like um, a tension that you feel?
3: Uh, I mean, I feel like this is go time. This is the tournament to win. You win this tournament, you get your pass to the finals. Um, and that, So, the, I mean, this tournament is the most important right now. Uh, now, of course, if you don't win, you got you got the, the challenge tournament. That's all good. Um, But, yeah, I, I mean, this is definitely go time. So there's tension, I guess you'd say, but it's more of just an assertiveness of making sure everything's tightened down, you're ready to rock and roll.
2: It doesn't really seem to differ too much from athlete to athlete. Some athletes have told me both publicly and even privately that when a one of these major, the two major, I mean, if you want to define it that way, one of the two major domestic tournaments pops up, it's like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, this is what you do. This is why you're here, that sort of thing. But at the right. same juncture, like, athletes do compete with expectations in their minds and things like that. So, oh, but, yeah,
3: yeah, I, I I go into this. I go into this tournament. I feel like mentally myself, I'll speak for myself, but I would say most going to this tournament with a different mindset than say going into Schultz or an international tournament that's in, you know, a, uh, like a, that's not a world championship. I think you just, you mentally, you, you go into it differently, knowing that this is kind of a, not necessarily all or nothing, but I mean, this is the, the bigger of the, of the tournaments that we'll compete in throughout the year.
2: When you, are, when you are entering a tournament that has, you know, a financial reward on the back end, does that enter into your mind at all? Or is it just straight about the competition? Like, do you ever think about the potentiality yeah. of winning money?
3: You know, I, I definitely have. Um, and that's, I've, it had a negative effect on my performance, I think. It was just too much, it was an added stress that was unnecessary. That's not in the sport to make money. You know, it's a nice little benefit. Um, it's a little bonus. And it is something that, yeah, I do need just like everybody else does, but going in with your, your intention on the money is you're, you're already going in wrong. I think your, your focus for me or my focus, I need to be, uh, set on how, how I'm competing, how my body feels, how mentally I'm going into this each match. Um, that's all I need to be thinking about. I mean, you can't even, I mean, that's like thinking about, uh, you know, your finals match when you haven't even weighed in yet, um, you're 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 way too far ahead. So I've I've that's definitely been a factor. It's been something that I've thought about, um, and it affected me negatively. So now, I try to not think about that at all. Just take it one match at a time.
2: I understand why it's out there, in that you are all professional athletes. I don't want to hear anything about amateurism and amateur wrestling and whatever that's antiquated. And on top of everything else, it's, it's woefully inaccurate, uh, especially relative to this current generation and how we operate and how things work and whatever else. It would be also disingenuous for me to like, ignore the fact that, you know, you are all vying to win world and Olympic medals. I mean that at the end, End of the day, beginning of the morning. That is, that's the that's the end game. That's like that's right, your chief. Right. You don't really need too much else of an incentive, I would imagine.
3: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. When the uh, when this, I mean, I feel like the Olympic dream when that's when that's birthed as a kid or in high school or whenever. You're not really thinking about the paychecks. The, the dream doesn't really start with. Oh, I'm going to make a lot of money, that's the dream. Uh, I mean, that's, at least in my situation, I think in most, anything that you're passionate about, the idea of money, usually that comes later. Uh-oh. It's not the first thing you think about. So the incentive of, I want to be an Olympic champ, that's what you're thinking about. You're dreaming about that, not a wad of cash.
2: Yeah, you get that wad of cash when you go to clinics.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it helps. The, the, the sad the reality is that, money is a necessity um that's something everybody's got to deal with but it's not my motivator
2: fair enough why don't we bring in sam hayes wrinkle and find out what his motivator is these days uh he's got the oklahoma city rtc rolling that's where he's the head coach and uh i i guess he's retired Okay, so Sam, I guess the first thing I want to ask you and we we know where we left off, are you actually retired as the u s <laughs> comes up in a couple weeks Did I leave my shoes on the mat then I I'm not didn't. retired
0: but I, didn't. I will not be there in you, you will wrestling not, anyway
2: you will not be at the las Vegas us I'll, Open. I'll be there I won't be wrestling now
0: okay I'll have my coaching shoes on
2: did the fact that the collegiate season got underway pretty pretty right at, right I mean virtually right after you got back from Budapest. Did that help in so far as like I don't want to say creating distance, but at least feeling at ease, comfortable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would say yeah. It was so busy that that first week after. It was just craziness and then yeah, the season was going.
2: Well, if you if so, I, yes. you got back on a Monday, if I'm not mistaken, Sunday or Sunday night or Monday, and then you did yeah, your season open on Tuesday.
0: Yeah, Tuesday was our first duel, and then we had our home tournament that Saturday. It was or that Sunday. It was craziness,
2: for sure. How did you like season one of being uh, the head I, coach? It was awesome. I loved it.
0: It was an absolute blast. It's fun doing your own system. Learned a lot. It's a lot harder, uh, cause we're wrestlers. Like we don't like depending on other people or, or we be football players, you know, we, we want to fix the problem ourselves. And mm-hmm. so that part of it was a lot harder than I thought coaching, but it was a blast.
2: One of the advantages that you've had to have is that your your interpersonal relationships with your wrestlers, that is absolutely has to be a strength of yours. Sure. Yeah.
0: I, I, I mean, I, I like to think so. Uh, it has definitely helped. So they know I get that part of it a little bit better. And so, yes, a- absolutely it helped. Uh, but I'm still having to learn. You know, it's it's easy for me to jump to like advanced strategy when they're not ready for it. and you know that doesn't that doesn't work well. You don't you don't jump over algebra one into algebra two because you're lost. It it so that was like one of the things I had to learn. I would just kind of like, hey, don't you see this? This is what they want, and they're like, no, I don't see it. And I'm already pa- like moving up. So you need to do this, and so I had to slow down and and back up a little bit, and you know stuff like that I had to learn. But on the overall, it certainly helped. You know, I'm not I'm not asking them to do stuff I wouldn't do.
2: Well, I mean, I think I know you well enough to know that you definitely are like a door is always open to my office kind of coach, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Is it different being, you know, that you're, you've been assistant coaches before. Yeah. Is yes. relationships right. with your, your athletes, is that different? Yeah. I mean, Holy just moly
0: coach, is it ever?
3: yeah, it
0: changed so much. Like it changed being the guy training is the best, right? And I there, feel like it's with them. You know, and you're, but you're not, you're, you're gone a lot. Nobody questions anything. And then, and then assistant coach, you're still kind of the buddy. You know, you got a little, if you say something, they need to do it. Not, not they want to anymore. And, and then right. also your head coach and all the decisions are on you and you, it's different. For sure. It's different. Are they, yeah. are they obeying cause they have to, or they obeying cause they agree with you it's mm-hmm. just a different dynamic, power dynamic, I guess. It's definitely different. It's hard to put in words, but it's crazy. And I tell people all the time, like, uh, when I was assistant coach, I knew exactly how much money every kid should get, like, what they're worth, how good they'll do, what they are for the team. And as soon as your <laughs> decision rests on you, you're like, oh, is he worth how much is he worth? Is he worth this much? Is it, is it, it's a risk. It, I don't. I, it's crazy how the confidence
3: just drops, like drops out the bottom immediately. Uh, I imagine so. I know you go from like the cool uncle to like the dad, the overbearing dad. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, I mean, guys, guys go to you different. You know, when you're when you have your assistant coach, you'll talk to him about your life and what you're feeling right. and, and uh, you, what you disagree with the head coach. You'll kind of tell him. And then when you're the head coach, I imagine, I mean, you know, guys don't talk to you the same.
0: It Most definitely.
3: It's it's it's
0: certainly a different dynamic. Uh, and I, I think I, I bridged it all right. Uh, there's a lot I still got to learn. I did very much more, like, if, if a guy wants a day off, take a day off. Mm. Um, like, just, just tell me, you know, and, and sure. be honest. You want to go on a date with your girlfriend? This is the last day she's like, all right, go on a date, get in the workout this morning. But, you know, if you're doing it every week, then I have a problem. What I don't want is the guys lying, like, hey, I'm sick. I can't make it. I, I, yeah, just tell. I go in and talk to the trainer. I told him I'm sick too. Like, just don't need a day off. I don't, like, let's, let's be upfront and honest. And, and by the end of the year, they were very much bought into it. They, they know practice is going to be 90 minutes or less. If I say we're doing this, that's what we're doing. I'm not going to all suddenly tack on 30 minutes of conditioning at the end because I think you're out of shape. I'm I put a lot in their hands because that's what I liked. Yeah. I wanted to go hard when it was time to go hard and I didn't like when we did a whole bunch of extra because somebody else was being an idiot. Like I I put in my effort already. This like now we're now I'm getting into overtraining. So I I put a lot on their shoulders and at first it hurt a little bit. Because I don't, I don't think they quite believe me. You know, the coaches mm. are always playing tricks and getting you to work hard, and I'm trying to get them to own it. And at right. the same time, they, you know, a couple of them kind of figured it out and played the game. And, you know, they would say they need a day off when they don't. They just don't want to work out today. You know, they didn't do as well as pushing through. So I got to learn to kind of adjust that a little bit. Uh, but on the overall, I think it was better. I, I want right. the guys to own it. I want them to be there. because They want to be there. And I don't know. We'll see. Well, That's part of the just being in wrestling, you know, as opposed yeah. to the coach that's been around 10 years and is maybe a little, uh, what's the word? Uh, he's seen it enough that he just, he jumps to the, this is what we need to do. Right. Which yeah, I th- follow me up in ten years and I might be like, yeah, I was an easy. You guys remember that interview? <laughs> so dumb.
3: I think it sounds great. I think I would respond to that as an athlete. Maybe it's because I'm a little bit older, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah,
2: I don't know. And, I, and that's what I was on the, the mat Well, no, that's an interesting direction to go into because I mean, yeah, you're you're not you're not a 19 year old sprite anymore,
0: yeah, exactly.
2: Same, but at the same time, like. You look at it like this. This is what I wonder about: is that this is a different generation of wrestler now, who's inundated mm, sure. with social media and a litany of other distractions and whatever else. And I'm not judging it. It's just a fact of life. This is what we're. This is what we're all. This is the sphere we're all operating in. And so. I don't. I mean, I'm obviously not a coach, but I, 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 I would have to think that the concerns among the collective in a rest on, on a re, in a wrestling program have changed a little bit since uh, Hayes Winkle and I were in college.
3: I would agree. Yeah,
2: for sure. You know, we didn't have social media yet. There was
0: YouTube was just coming out. You know, Facebook was <laughs> the only social media, and it was it was still like ah. Eh. I, I remember everybody was signing up my freshman year, and I was like, "It was Man, MySpace and Friendster, stupid. bro."
2: MySpace, yeah, MySpace
0: Friendster. was was a little bigger. You could do stuff with your background. You know, <laughs> you could put little elephants <laughs> if you wanted, or whatever.
2: I put a Roman oh, Coliseum. I thought it was the most awesome thing ever. I really, yeah, right. Oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed when I think about it now. But yeah, I did.
0: <laughs> uh, I remember the jokes, putting them together.
2: Well, my face. Hey, you could Facebook. put m- music when somebody to went Space to your MySpace Space? page you could have like a song that like opened yeah. up
0: and- I, I remember thinking like Facebook's never going to make it. MySpace is so much better and I guess I was wrong yeah I mean <laughs> we were all wrong. crazy crazy world but, but it's, yeah it's a lot different nowadays and you know uh, the training's a lot different like we all know that wrestlers are getting better like it's easy to see, like the little kids nowadays. From when I was a kid, and yeah, no it, kidding. Like the evolution, <laughs> I I know. Growing up, it was like, oh, little kid, you're hurt. Yeah, you're tough. Go get back in there, J- jump back in. You're fine. And now I look at these kids, and they train like Olympic level athletes. You know, when they get injured, it's a legit. They pull the muscle. They need to recover like Olympic level athletes. Maybe not the same time frame. They don't need six months to heal up because they're still young. They only need three months, but they still tore a muscle. It it wasn't like when I was a kid and you like that's the first time you've ever strained a muscle. You know, push yourself that hard. Like get get back out there. That's what you need to do. It's a whole different it's a whole different beast. Seventy matches when I was a kid is not like seventy matches now. My God, I I only faced. A few of them were like high level. There's eighty seven national tournaments now. Kids go straight from Flow Nationals to Fargo to whatever, the US Open that you know, you can make a world team as a schoolboy now. He's facing the best kids in the world. Like those kids train, they get to college, their bodies are a lot more beat up than than kids when I wrestled when we wrestled, you know. It's a it's a whole different ball game and every kid's different some of the kids start late they got tons of energy and other ones that have, have already got a thousand matches under their belt and you know uh, you need yeah, a I don't know you need to rest them yeah, a little bit I don't more know you know good
2: any of that is sam i mean honestly no
0: for sure like i mean it's crushing gonna... baseball right now
2: Oh, they! <laughs> I mean, they.
0: The best kids are like they're done before they even get to college. Oh, they, they're
2: they're dying their hair. Their fingernails are painted black. They're wearing <laughs> spikes <laughs> around their foreheads. I mean, like, uh, oh, man. that's our problem Good with truth. this sport, man. Is that we're not keeping them. Our retention rate uh, yeah. is not nearly where it should be or used to be because of this. We're kill- we're burning them out. They're churning them out, burning them out. That's the problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm
0: I, I know I push it a lot more here. Like weight cutting needs to go. Don't you don't need to be pushing the kids to weight cut. We're we're smart enough wrestlers now. Very few of our best best athletes cut a lot of weight. You get in shape and you go the weight closest to your shape, maybe the one below that. That's like more than that you're tearing your body up. It just isn't there's a couple kids, you know, there's always the outliers, but the majority of kids, you don't need to be cutting a ton of weight. Certainly not in, like, grade school, middle school. The bodies are trying to grow, and we're cutting weight. It's craziness. And we wonder why we can't keep them, you know. Mm-hmm. Crazy. But that's not my old man. <laughs> I guess I'm, I guess new age? That's not old age. <laughs> old old men are like, cut, hag. Go spit in a cup, land on the mat, get
2: up and do it again tomorrow. The big topic I want to hit on, and I'm sure this is going to pique the interest of many, is the fact that, and you did allude to this, this was something you were pumped up about uh, potentially starting um, last year, I remember you saying, so you have ignited in Greco Regional Training Center, at Oklahoma State University, where you coach, uh, it's obviously a big deal. You, Sam Hayeswinkle is a coach at a Greco RTC. How's it going so far? I know we're in the early stages, but nonetheless, I mean, you had a practice tonight, so what's the story?
0: Yeah, we we have our our regional training center. It uh it's slow it's slow moving. It's still it's more you know for high school kids to come in and get get some actual Greco training. Uh. I have a couple guys on my team that are hopefully going to be out there at the U.S. Open in a couple weeks, and it's still not like they aren't official RTC wrestlers yet, but but we're working that direction. And you know, we don't have anybody doing freestyle; we have guys doing Greco. So it it's slow moving, but it is definitely heading in the right direction, which I love. Uh, just didn't yeah didn't have time to get to it like I was hoping to. The first year came fast and fighting battles. I didn't know needed to be fought, you know, just all the learning parts. Unfortunately, Greco kind of got pushed down the line, but as soon as Susan, soon, soon as we had nationals done with, we started pushing Greco. And like I said, we got a couple of going, so we're moving the right direction there. We have a couple of really good Greco kids coming in over the next couple of years. Uh, Hopefully we'll get somebody training there. That's that's kind of, I think the next step is to get somebody training, Uh, because that makes a big difference, you know. That's that's when you start going places as a as a team, and that's when an RTC in my mind kind of becomes official. Before you have somebody training there, it's you know it's the loophole you use to kind of train in the off season. It's the legal loophole. But once you get someone trained there, you know you're you're trying to make an impact. You're you're helping athletes have a way to move forward in the sport, which is very much part of the goal. You know we don't we don't have a pro a pro side. You, if you want to keep keep wrestling, you go to an RTC or you go to Olympic Training Center. You know there's not there's not much else after college, and no one's making money on it. And the more the more of those we can get out there. The deeper the weights will be, the better we'll do at Worlds, the more guys will start getting paid. And we need that, you know? It's a it's a grassroots wrestling is very grassroots, and so we gotta treat it that way. We gotta get lots of programs going and everybody kinda chipping in and keep getting better.
2: As this progresses, do you have either written down in your mind however it works, do you have a specific approach or training plan when it comes to developing collegiate athletes who have little or maybe even no greco experience yeah, uh,
0: uh, writing it down would be probably a great idea uh i have a plan in my head yeah kind of learning as i go you know and i have quite a few of those on the team that that never really did greco and have a few that did it you know they're sophomore and junior year of high school and that's it and that's four years ago uh right now I'm pushing more it it seemed to me it helped me a lot I'd, I'd love to hear Sammy's thoughts on it but I would do the folk style season and I would see the other guys they come back next year doing the same stuff and where I would in the summer I did all Greco and so when I came back to folk style season I was doing all new moves you know I didn't I, I got out of the, the folk style mindset enough that maybe I felt moves I did last year. Maybe I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm throwing underhooks, I'm standing up straight. And I kind of, as I find my way back into my folk style, I, I, I'm doing three different moves than I did the year before. And so that's how I'm kind of pushing on the guys. Like, let's, let's change it up a little bit. And Hey, if you get good at Greco, no one will go up the body with you. It was great in college. Cause I knew no one would go up a body. The only way they're going to try to take me down is shoot. I don't know, that cuts my defense in half. And then anytime I got in trouble, I'd just jack them up and everybody backed out. Uh, it was wonderful. M- made me look like a lot better folk style wrestler than I probably was.
2: Oh, uh, nonsense. Which is,
0: I get, yeah, that's part of the deal, right? That's that's what makes you a good wrestler. But it was kind of, you know, Greco's kind of hard to do in folk style. It It's hard to just step in like commit your hips and throw somebody because they can hook legs. But the fear of getting thrown is so big that a lot of wrestlers would just back out. They'd rather back out than take the chance. And so that worked to our advantage. Uh, it's part of the good thing about being a Greco guy. And you can see with non-Greco guys, just kids that like to throw, people don't want to go up a body with them. Nobody wants to get thrown in front of their mom and their girlfriend. You know, it's <laughs> Nobody wants that. So it, that played to my advantage, and I think I'm starting to get the guys to see that. You know, it, it's funny if uh, I can yell it on the sideline, and and the other team's guy will be a little bit scared. And they're like, yeah, pick him <laughs> up, throw him! It's there!" And people will back out. You know, and our guys have don't even have an underhook or whatever. You know, he's he's trying to shoot, but there's a definite truth. You, know? you can mess with people when you know how to throw them. So. I think a lot of the guys are buying into. A lot of guys on the team are are wanting to learn Greco, and they're we got guys that are, you know, ankle grabbers, and they like the funk and the rolling, and they're they're throwing underhooks and overhooks and trying to figure it out. It's gonna help them a lot. Mm. I'm hoping anyway. I, I'll let you know more uh, here about this time next year. I will have a lot better idea. Yeah. Sammy do you, you find that I know you didn't do a whole lot of folk style but
3: Yeah uh I well let's see here I did not do a lot of folk style I'm not the guy to talk to about the folk style <laughs> so I'm trying That's to understand fair. I'm trying to understand the, the technique the technical terms you're using about folk style I think with the R- the RTC having those guys you know transition from such an intense folk style year and then trying to get them ex- excited about greco I don't know. Maybe this would be the way to do it, but I mean, as long as they're, if you know, you're showing them techniques that are fun. I mean, you got your ridiculous arm spin, arm throw. You know, getting these guys doing these throws that are just fun. I mean, I think that's what will get them to want to to train it more and incorporate it in their into their folk style regime. You know, Um, I think a lot of times Greco just kind of gets. I don't know if it gets just pushed to the side because guys don't put a lot of effort in it. They don't, or a lot of time. They don't know, you know, how much fun it is, and like you're saying, how much, uh, how advantageous it can be. Um, so I mean, that's kind of what I'm. That's kind of what I'm thinking about is with with the RTC is, um, keeping it interesting. Yeah, so,
0: that that makes sense to me. Who doesn't want to? Who doesn't want to be the one
3: throwing? Yeah.
0: Oh but man, it's to odds and odds when you're throwing. Like, yeah. That's what you
2: want? Yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah, but what gets undersold is that the Greco culture, we like to have a little bit of separation. It's like, okay, well, yeah. we're, we're this style, We this is physical style, it is uh, constant contact, and these are all points of alliteration I hit on often publicly when it comes to content. But what gets missed by, I think, some people in Greco, not everybody, but some people, Is the fact that these folk style guys who come over and apply themselves, they carry with them that folk style grind mentality, that bullheaded competitiveness. (laughs) To be honest with you, and God forgive me for even saying this, but some of our full time guys don't even have. Because if they did, sure. they wouldn't be scared out of their wits in in a match against some part timer, in like you know the round of sixteen at the open. It's like, oh, sure. I don't even. Where's this guy coming from? What the hell is this? You know what I mean? And it's like right. that no, is something we need right. to leverage more to our advantage, than I think we even do.
0: Uh, yes, I, I
2: agree with that.
0: I, I think we need to get more of those uh, college wrestlers that have been in that grind. Um.
2: I absolutely agree. Yeah, well, I mean, Sammy Jones is an outlier because Sammy sure. has been t- training to be an international style wrestler since his practical youth. Okay, and he he's got that, and not only does he have that, but Sammy is a risk taker. He's wild man Sam. He's gonna he's gonna lock up. He's gonna try right. to hurl you through the air and stuff like that, and then he's gonna get back in your face and he's gonna step back into the brawl and what we're seeing is is that some of our guys who either either crossover earlier or whatever or maybe they you know they come into greco from from a collegiate program even if they come in from a collegiate program sometimes i think they're so consumed with learning and developing their skill sets in greco that they forgot what made them good wrestlers tough wrestlers competitive wrestlers in the first place sure right. I I, that uh article you did with with how
0: he uh he kind of touches on that and it. I I'm Sammy. I imagine you're the same way. Like my technique strategy has gotten way better as I've gotten older, but my like go get them has has gone down has dropped. Yeah, I don't like I don't have that same no fear. You know I I don't attack it the same. It's kind of. It's a funny dichotomy to me. I, I know reading that article got me all pumped up to, like, I'm ready to go train hard. Like, <laughs> I'm all about strategy and technique, but it's about – I need to go – it's time to train hard again. I was loving it. I was loving reading it. It was – he puts puts it in words, I guess, very well.
2: Well, look I'll at that the, Maranatha uh, crew from the late 70s, early 80s, Those those guys where – They basically just all got together, practiced, coached each other, went overseas once or twice or however many times a year, spent time at a camp, went in a tournament or two, came back to the room. They did not have a coach. They did not. Not until Pavel came Right. Oh, yeah. And, and like, what they did was amazing, and they did it because of, like, yes, and they did it because they were completely psychotic competitors, you know? (laughs) For sure. Like that's how they did it. That's how Hauk's story was written because he mm-hmm. believed in himself. And I'm not trying to be, um, I'm not trying to hit this with a Tinder romance, but it's the truth. He believed in himself, and he was like, oh, "I'm as it. good as these guys. Screw this. Let's see what happens." And like, yeah. I just as a as a national program, we really have to get back to remembering who we are. I mean, we really do.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree. I agree with that. There's a definite strategy. But man, it's it's about you know it's a it's a fight. You got you got two two grown men fighting. Am I gonna come out on top or am I not? You know, it, we get caught up on the wins and losses. And I got I got man, he he beat me by one, but he beat him by eight. Like <laughs> oh, I must be better. Like what? No, you you lost. Like you get your hand raised or you don't. Go out there and fight, fight to get your hand raised. You know you can, and you know where you stand when you do that. If I get, if I get beat, I need, I know what I need to work on. When I go out and play the game, I, I lost because I didn't attack. Like, I, I don't necessarily know where I stand. And it's, it's easy to be like, ah, next time I just need it. Like, I'm still better than him. I I didn't try to do my arm throw once. You know, next time I'll do my arm throw. Then I lose again because I didn't, I didn't learn anything from the first time because I didn't do anything. Mm. It's, it's definitely a loss. I wouldn't say lost part of wrestling, but something that's not yeah. pushed as much as it should be. It, uh, he said it so well. Go read, go read that article
2: Hawk, again. It,
0: way better than how I can say it.
2: Just to wrap up the closing segment here, one of the best things about having you two on the same show, aside from the fact that you share the same first name, Yes. <laughs> it's hard to beat that fact, right? Right. <laughs> Is that you both share uh, Rob Herman? You both, um, in whichever order you please, would share like some kind of insight story regarding Coach Rob's influence on uh, your respective uh, careers. Well, you want to go. Yeah.
3: I'll, I can go. I'm ready. Well, go. you go first. You go first, Sammy, because you had him. You had him first, and then I got to uh, kind of be taken under his wing after after you. So you go first.
0: Yeah, I, I just I got to start working out with Rob. I think it was my sophomore year of high school. We moved to Florida, and he was there, and he was getting Stephen Mays. That's what I got to walk into was Herman and Mays, and it, the, that kind of a training. Man, right away, I got to watch high-level coach and a high-level athlete interaction, and there was all four of us in the room. You know that when I would show up, it'd just be the the team would be finishing. I'd be getting out of high school, you know, and coming over, and it'd be uh, time for Coach Herman to do kind of a one-on-one with uh, Mays because he was there. He was he was about to go try out, make this world team, and so. That's where I got to walk in on it, and it was great. It was absolutely great because I got to watch his angle with him, and then the angle he took with me. And and I know the biggest thing I learned from him was what he would call like his tricks. You know, he had, he always has his <laughs> tricks, as Sammy oh, knows. Yeah. He has his, oh yeah. He has his tricks, you know. But it was it's his confidence in the tricks. Like anybody else is doing it, and you're like, no way it would ever work. And then coach comes over like, hey, I got this trick. Here, try this move on I me. And you're like, the coach, you can't stop. Oh, wow, it works. <laughs> it's your tricks, and and uh, I just gained a confidence in, like it. If you believe in the move, it's it's gonna work, you know. And and that's again how kind of touched on it. It's that that belief side. Call it mindset. Call it whatever you whatever you want. If you think you have the best arm spin in the world, you're going to hit it a lot better than if you think, uh, I don't know if my arm spins there or not. And I learned that from his tricks, like some of the tricks I got, some of them I didn't. The one that I didn't didn't get, I couldn't do and just kind of let them go. But the ones I got, like, yeah, it does work, and I believed in them, and they weren't purely that that belief system. Uh, and I, I'll give you a little side note here. That sells nowadays. If you want to teach a kid to move, tell him it's a cheat code. Or a trick, and they'll learn a half Nelson and think it's the greatest thing ever. Just, (laughs) hey, let's go learn a half Nelson. They don't care. If you tell them it's a cheat code, like, hey, nobody else, this here, this works, Rob was on to something, man. Because he did. He got me to learn a bunch of moves that I haven't seen other people teach, and some that I have, they're very commonplace, but I just didn't know them yet. And so he'd claim it as his. You know, this is my, (laughs) I made this move up. It's, uh,. Some people, you know, they, they changed it. Now they call it the quarter Nelson. But it's my move. I made it up. It was, here's <laughs> when I did it. And then he'd tell some crazy story. And oh I never my knew God. if he was telling the truth or not, you know? Like, pulling my leg? This guy might be pulling my leg. Uh, but I love him for it. That dude is, he's he loves some Greco.
3: Yeah. Oh, man. My, I mean, it sounds like pretty similar. Um, I mean, I met Rob when I was probably in eighth grade. Uh, he was coming over from florida he would drive <laughs> to, to louisiana I
0: that. yeah i did that trip with him a couple times
3: yeah man he would make that twice a week i believe and it oh, uh, was
0: crazy it's like a 3 hour yeah. drive well, yeah. one
3: way it was right. n- he was nuts but yeah, he loved he, some greco man he, he that's, that's the thing is he just loves the sport um so that's how I met him in Louisiana. Then he, he got the job at Northern of course. And he always, uh, you know, he would, he would give me a call and be like, Hey, you're going to come wrestle for me. And, uh, you know, I had no way. I didn't want to move away. I didn't want to go up North in the snow and all that. So, uh, after I took a year off, man, I missed, I missed wrestling. And so he was the only guy that was, that was still, uh, you know, Hey, I'll, I'll give you a shot, you know, come, come up and wrestle. And, uh, you know, I, for Greco, you know, I, I had some folk style places that I was thinking about going nothing big and, you know, Rob, he, he, can sell it, man. He could talk. Oh, yeah. And so he, he could talk. He's got so many stories. And so I came up there. But the biggest <laughs> thing, Rob, man, I'm sure Sam, you feel the same way is just the, who, I mean, as a coach, he's great, but off the mat, um, you know, I, 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 So many people say this, but Rob is somebody I think would do anything, anything for his guys. And uh, I've I've, I've experienced that where he when I was living, I think it was my senior year. I didn't have a car up here at Northern and I lived, you know, maybe a mile or two away from practice. And he would pick me up at 612 in the morning every day. He would pick (laughs) me up in the wintertime because I I was biking and I believe it. And and he started right the whole way. But, you know, it's
0: like him saying I
3: love you. Exactly. Absolute gripes. Yeah. You I know, mean, I'd, I'd make my coffee, and he's like, <laughs> "You drink enough coffee in the morning, you know, uh, you know, like whatever." Oh yeah. Always giving you a hard time, but man, I mean, always. It's, exactly is uh, just his way of te- you know showing you that he cares about you. So I think that's the biggest thing is. Um, I,
0: yeah, that's a great. It's a great point. I don't know how many times I stayed at his house, and so I yeah. think easily half the times I stayed at his house, there was two or three other wrestlers there right all the time you know he's it, it, always having guys over giving them a place to stay making it cheaper for him right he gets it you know he, he understood there's no money in the sport and he yeah. you're absolutely right he would bend over backwards for anybody like he, yeah. he'd
3: find a way to help them out and i, and I think that's it's it, it, it for, i know for me i know i mean i'm sure for other guys too but it really made a difference being so far away i mean marquette if you've been up here, it's a uh, it's a ways away from everything else. So I mean, if you're oh yeah, if you're, a home, if you're a hometown, small town little kid coming all the way up here, it's nice to have somebody who's uh who kind of makes you feel like all right, he's looking out for me. He's gonna not gonna just let me go to the wayside. That's that's how I feel. Right. And I know at least a couple other guys that feel that way. So I, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing with Rob. And of course, his tricks and his stories. Man, I've heard I've heard every one of Rob's stories. A hundred times, but... <laughs> and, and, and probably 12 different versions. Oh, Thank right. It gets more intense every time. <laughs> oh, yeah. The fish is this big. Right. This big. Right. I love it.
2: For sure. Yep. I think this is a perfect place to put a bow on this one. I'm going to first shoot it to Sammy Jones. Sammy, this was terrific. I think now everybody sees how otherworldly talented of a Renaissance man you are growing into becoming... <laughs> Just a natural natural on the on the stick on the mic and uh, absolutely just tremendously appreciated that you jumped on as uh, the honorary guest host in place of the little Angry Man from Wisconsin. <laughs> well hey man, it was fun. <laughs> I-, I enjoyed it. it was, it's, it's great. Can't leave out Sam Hayswinkle the legacy the right. legacy whoa, whoa. Uh, one of my absolute favorite people I've ever met in this sport. I really loved having him around last year. Now I miss him terribly uh, <laughs> when he went back once the world's ended and the collegiate season began. There was a hole in my heart. Uh, <laughs> so, I suppose, uh, I suppose. <laughs> I, just lo- I just was so glad to be able to have a chance to get you on. And uh, that's it, Sammy. I'm, uh, Sammy Jones, I might say. Same thing that goes for Luke Sheridan. I, I'll try to navigate the language a little bit more deftly. Have a great tournament in Las Vegas. Do Agreed. what you do, be wild man Sam. You know, <laughs> the whirlwind, the hairs all over the place.
3: Uh, hey, you, you count on it. I guarantee it, it'll be fun. I promise you.
2: We're locking up, boys. Here it comes.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. We need more of that.
3: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, we're bringing it. We're bringing it.
2: And that was the two Sams, Sammy Jones and Sam Hayeswinkle. I was really pumped that Sammy Jones agreed to come on and fill in for Hall as the co-guest host. He did a great job. I I hope you'd agree. He is – I mean, he's an awesome athlete, but he's also extremely intelligent and just terrific at relating to others no matter who they are, what they do, what their background is, anything like that. He just – He's great, and I knew that he would flourish in this role. I just, I had a feeling he would do great, and he, and he absolutely did. It was also awesome catching up with Sam Hayeswinkle. Look, his RTC is just getting off the ground, as he alluded to. It'll grow. Absolutely it will grow. Bottom line, it's another RTC for Greco in the United States of America, which is fantastic. What else is in the news? Let me look this for you. How about that? Just crumple this up and throw it away. So I don't really need notes for this one. The Pan Am camp started this week, this past Monday, and the Pan Ams have taken on a higher level of priority for the US program, that is due for a variety of factors. One the Central and South American nations, their level has improved. Part of that is because of the continued matriculation of Cuban coaches. And, you know, they're joining other programs and developing athletes. The other part of that is the ranking series. There's the Continental Championships. That means there's ranking series points attached to this whole thing. We obviously have a few guys who are ranked up there. Kamal Bay, ranked seventh. Tracy Hancock, ranked third. Adam Kuhn, World Silver, he's ranked second. These guys go ahead and perform well at the Pan Ams. That means more ranking series points. If they were to go to the Italy tournament in May, do well there. More ranking series points. If anybody goes to Karavayev, more ranking series points. And the more you get, the more, the higher the likelihood that you are in position to be seated in the top four come the World Championships. Now, do the seeds mean anything at the World Championships? Not really. Not really. As much as I love the ranking series, and I do, I even wrote a book. Uh, n- uh, Love letter, practically, for UWW. The truth of the matter is, is that if you are going to seed four guys and then randomize 30-some-odd others, it's not really a seed so much. Ranking series still valuable just in terms of continued interest, marketing throughout the season, uh, putting Greco in front of more eyes. I mean, that part of it is awesome and important. The seeding part, I don't know. Olympics, yeah. 16-man brackets. Worlds... When it's like 36 or whatever it is, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced it's really worth anything. But nevertheless, it's important. Plus, you got to go to the Pan Ams to uh, stamp down your weight class uh, for Kazakhstan. There's also the Pan Am game. So it's easy to see why this is a uh, point of emphasis. Our Team USA is going to be basically the entire 2018 World Team with the exception of Max and at 55. Because why? Because Hayes Winkle retired. Cheney, Haidt, a, I think two-time, might be three, but two-time Pan Am champion, he's coming in at 82 because why? Jordan Spieler walked away. So kind of have it all set up with a great roster, and you got the U.S. Open in a few weeks too, which is going to be spectacular. Damn well should be, to be honest with you. Okay, uh, Hall, Hall's been in Columbus this week at the Ohio Regional Training Center. That is why he wasn't on for this episode. He will be back we are going to be consistent with the podcast and our next show will include Brandon Paulson. Everybody's been waiting for that one and John Anderson. So look forward to that. As for social media concerns, you can follow Lucas Sheridan, Luke Sheridan. He's on Instagram, L Sheridan 97, Sam Sammy Wildman Sam Jones, he is on Instagram as well, at Sam in the Circle. One word, Sam in the Circle. Hayes Winkle, very easy, he's on Twitter. At Sam the Hayes, one word of course, S-A-M-T-H-E-H-A-Z-E. I guess we'll keep banging this drum for no reason. If you'd like to follow Dennis Hall on Twitter, that's at Dennis Hall, W-G-W. And... For USA Greco-Roman News
3: and Athlete Perspectives, please go to 5 and follow along on Twitter at 5, the number 5, PT Move. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.
2: This show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.